This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello and welcome back to Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am joined, as always, by the inimitable Jeff Hawkins. Inimitable, Jeff. How are you? It's a, a large word there. Uh, I have a word of the day calendar, and this one's <laughs> been stumping me for the better part of nine days. Uh, let, me, let me get my one snarky comment out, because we are on video at uh, Voices of Wrestling channel on YouTube. Uh, are you doing Ron Kovic cosplay today? <laughs> this is this is like the bunker of doom. Like, this is Chris in his Vietnam bunker. No one's <laughs> yes. War is actually over. I'm just hiding out. Yeah, there's guitars. There's I'm looking for a peace symbol on your army jacket there. <laughs> there, there is actually, there actually is, Hawkins. <laughs> there actually is. And, and born to kill this is like my full metal jacket homage jacket here uh, i did oh, this oh yeah and, and this this saying, is old. i was saying something about the duality of man captain january yeah uh yeah. i love that movie no it's it's a good movie uh, clearly i like it too i am exhausted i might be a little surly today kids so please forgive me i am fully vaccinated and for the first time in 15 months I entered a gym to work out. I am sore. I am tired. I got on the scale and I saw a number I have never seen before. And Threve? it scared me. Hmm? Threve? Oh, no, I'm not 300 pounds. I'm no, like, I said threve. What is, uh, what is threve? Yeah, it's the number between three and five. It's this new number. Okay, I, I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brain not work good on it's on okay. Such five in another number that comes up every okay. so often. Okay. Yeah, between five and six or five. Yeah, yeah. Five <laughs> and you seven. You said was there a three at the start? I was like, no, dude, you're on camera with me. If I was three hundred pounds, you know? no, no, I wasn't trying to bury you. I was trying to make myself look stupid. That's uh, fine. I, I'm worth burying. I gotta. I'm middle aged and I gotta get back in shape. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just I'm although. Chris, another running joke or an old joke of ours. The Chaking is now at Burger King. The hand-breaded chicken sandwiches. And I'm planning uh, on not trying. Again. Not again, Hawkins. I'll not fall uh, for this twice. No, it's there now. It's, it, just oh, check your local the TV, listing. The TV is in on this, too. But I have a, deep, <laughs> a deep-seated skepticism about this Chaking. I don't believe it exists. I'm getting one of each. I'm getting the, the regular and the spicy to it's try them out. It's a conspiracy, people. It's a conspiracy. It's not real. Don't let Hawkins yes, fool you. Uh, to, to, we were talking chicken sandwiches off air about two months ago. And I, I watch Good Mythical Kitchen because I like it. And Josh on there 
is like, well, Burger King's going to enter the fray with this hand breaded chicken sandwich. It's possibly a game changer can possibly take down Popeye's. And I, you know, I told Chris, I said, ah, I want to hear from a chef. So I sent him the video and it's like, okay, here you go whatever and so he rushes out to burger king before it's and they have they know they had the they have a chicken of, sandwich they, they had the signage sandwich. they had a, they had signage up about new chicken sandwich and i was like okay all right i'm calling hawkins on his bluff but but actually i wasn't even like that that day <laughs> that day i was you were, i was very you were no i i was so sweet at first i was like my dear friend Jeff Hawkins, he he made a sandwich recommendation. He knew that I was starting to get <laughs> Popeye's fatigue, and and I'm gonna go to this Burger King. I have my doubts about them, but I never have any doubts about my dear friend Jeff Hawkins. When has he ever led me astray? And I went and I had the old chicken sandwich, apparently the old chicken sandwich at Burger King, and it made my life miserable. I, I spent the next week just in the dumps. You like texted down. me from yeah, your car. I was living. I was living <laughs> at you. You ruined lunch. You yes, ruined. Yes, and that's it. what you said. You ruined my lunch. I wasted five dollars on this thing. Dollars. What did I do, Chris? What did I do? Because I, you made me feel so bad. Uh, that I PayPal'd you, I PayPal'd you money for lunch. That is completely like... besides the point. <laughs> Comple- that is not how could that? How's that's not even remotely relevant to the conversation. What is it relevant is. is that I the flavor that I experienced was so abysmal. <laughs> I I there wasn't enough Dr Pepper to wash it down, and I like a good Dr Pepper. The Dr Pepper there not syrupy. Not you know it would last from a fountain. It, yes, the, the the syrup to soda ratio was bad, is what you're telling me. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't bringing it there either. Um, I was not in flavor country. That's an important. No, I know, food. and you made that known. Yeah, I did. And, and so now and you I, can tell me you tell me about this new chicken sandwich. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Um, well, you know, one quarter of our beef supply is gone, so we may have to just start eating chicken. Uh, uh get ready for more chicken sandwiches in the future people um so but like i yeah anyways uh i, I although, might give although, it, after, I, although after that number on the scale i'm probably just gonna be eating like fruit from now on. yeah uh, yeah no for sure for sure i uh i'm also getting mindful about you know making sure that i maintain it's always important on to wrestling a lot of news. Maybe a little bit of news dropped this week, Chris. What yeah. do you think? Because we I, had I, more... a bit of a news bomb this week. We had more cuts for budgetary reasons per John Lornais's text message the entire company, which we can get into. But Braun Strowman, Ruby Riot, Lana, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, and Santana Garrett all given their walking papers. Let's start with the headline. Braun Strowman, who is making something in the area of $3.2 million a year, cut. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons. <laughs> number one, how do you blow... We've given Vince McMahon all this credit over the years for his his big man. Well, maybe not even credit, but maybe we, we just know he likes big guys. And he sucks booking big guys now. Braun Strowman is a no-brainer. Braun Strowman, much like Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, is easy to 
book to me. It and they kind of like mishandled him run. right from the start. I, I, I mean, there were so many different failures in the pushing of Braun Strowman. Uh, but, but even the initial pairing with the Wyatts didn't really make sense. He was the fourth man in an act that didn't really need a fourth man. Yeah, a little, but I didn't mind it that much. But uh, it was like week two, though. They decide that, okay, we got to push Braun as the head guy of, of the Wyatt family. And you're just like, calm down. Let this build. Let him get some character development. Let the turn come naturally. We all who watch wrestling can see it coming a mile away that Vince is going to say, well, let's see what we got that with this guy. And, and he just, it, it goes one of two ways. Either they rush too quickly to make him a big deal, which they did, because I was at that live I believe it was a Survivor Series or No Way Out. It was at the Staples Center where he fought Brock Lesnar and got beat in like three minutes. <laughs> it's like F five, go home, drive home safely, kids. And you're just like, what a what a fart in church that match was. I just remember we all we all sat there and goes, that's it. And then we had to live, oh, drive home safely, guys. And we're just like, this is a ripoff. Or they do the other thing, which is. Um, what am I, God, see, I'm tired and I can't remember my other point here, but it was, they either push him to the moon too soon to see what they have or they beat him too quick. That, that's the other one. That, cause that was the big show deal week two, because it was in WCW big shows losing to Steve Austin. You know, you're just like, there's. I can understand if it was true budget. Let's let's okay. Let me put Braun on the side here because I got more to say about that. Budget concerns, Chris. Budgetary reasons, budget cuts, whatever you want to call it. Once again, WWE had their most profitable year last year. I think they are legitimately concerned about the budget, but we've been understanding I think so the term budget concerns in the more traditional um emotional i'm wearing or i've got my hat in my hands i have budget concerns right now please give me some money for rent i think they're concerned about making their budget look as good as possible on yes. paper and yes. i think i think, that's I the think thing that concerns them very intimately and they're making I, adjustments yep. to do that not because they're insolvent but because it's important to make that budget look as good as it possibly can maybe get the stock price up a little bit more i think stock price might have something to do with it i think this is what successful companies do i think i've said before on here when my law firm had record profits in a down season for law the first thing they did was they cut a bunch of uh, administrative staff and tried to reduce the office space they were using and, and tried to do all these other things to build the profit per partner up so that they could attract more high-quality talent. I've seen a lot of people speculate that this is for an acquisition. I don't buy it. I'm not there yet. I'll tell you why in a moment, but I do think Nick Khan was brought in to make this a more legitimate business, quote unquote, as opposed to Vince McMahon having to handle things. And Vince McMahon, say what you will about, once you get into this real corporate world, it's different, and he's handled it as best as he could for a number of years since they've gone public. But now he's 75. 
he needs help. And so he's bringing in guys who know sports, guys who know content, people who have been around the block in certain fields where they want to be seen legitimate as. And these are guys who are going to come in and run it like an actual business as opposed to a giant community theater company, so to speak. Because there's no need to hoard all this talent if you're not going to use it. Now, don't get me wrong. They could very well be wanting to sell. And if they do, it is, I think we've talked about this before, but it is the best grift since they tricked Fox into saying they could be a sports-like product. Here's why. They're going to build themselves up as a content creator of original content with so-and-so number of hours every week, and plus all these all these hours in their vault that could be streamed, and et cetera, et cetera, and you know, live television, live, live, current content, whatever. They build themselves up for a Universal or a Fox or whatever to buy them up. Some people say Disney. I say there's no way in hell Disney touches these people. Okay, you've bought this product. You don't know how to run a wrestling company. Who do you get to run it? Why, you keep Vince McMahon in charge, and it's probably part of the deal because he said that that would be part of a deal back when UFC was looking and kicking tires and looking to sell and all these other things. They asked Vince, would he ever sell? He goes, only if I can remain in charge of the creative. So he now absolves himself of responsibility of the financial future of this company, gets a boatload of money for him and three generations of his family to live off of, and he's still the guy running the day-to-day television. It would be, I, I would have to tip my cap that Rob McCarron would never eat to him because it would be, it would be on par with some of the robber barons of the Industrial Revolution level genius, Chris. I think that you're right, that people keep talking about McMahon selling, and I think the better terminology here is McMahon cashing out. That McMahon is getting his maximum dollar value that he can get for this company, um, and, and that has been coming in terms of stock sales. I, I mean, look... Uh, the stock price got up to $100 on like hype, on just an absolute hype train. This is always a $15 a share stock. McMahon made a huge sale on that. And he knew when he was in his early 70s that that was probably about as high as the stock was ever going to realistically go for WWE. $100 a share was pretty darn good. Well, the stock that's available for you and I, the plebs of the world to purchase, he keeps all the voting shares right. for he and his family. Yeah. Um, that's the other part of it too. Um, and so McMahon has been slowly divesting himself of WWE, the engine to get the cash. And he's been selling high at various points throughout his seventies. This is a smart move. He's making sure his family is going to be well set up. I think you're generally right too, that if he does a sale, he is going to try to, at least for a while, maintain creative control of the company. Now, I think he might find himself at loggerheads very quickly with his new bosses. And I think 77-year-old Vince McMahon in this scenario, he's 75 now, let's assume it takes a couple of years for everything to get finalized. But 77, 78-year-old Vince McMahon might not handle his Gen X overlords particularly well. 
these kids who don't know anything about wrestling, damn it. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that even if Vince was able to stay in creative control, it would last very long. But I think that's at least his original plan here. Um, I do think that this ends with a de-McMahonification of WWE. And to that point, you've seen a lot less of Vince on TV here in recent years. And that was happening already in his mid-60s when he could have still stayed on TV. Um, he, he started really pulling himself off the TV here a while ago. Uh, back to Braun. Braun had just signed a major deal back, but uh, as Dave Meltzer said on today's Wrestling Observer He's uh, radio. <laughs> he didn't say that. But big stars, when you get that contract, if you really want to negotiate and really want to play a little bit of hardball, you can get a no-cut contract when you make this. Braun did not. <laughs> which was a mistake on his part because too many people buy into the, oh, Vince likes me. Vince is going to take care of me. Vince would never screw me on a contract type thing. So there's another factor involved as well. Uh, that, that, was, that was very close to what Vince McMahon was saying on his television about Braun mm -hmm. Strowman in the weeks leading up to his cut. So you now yes. look back on that final angle with Shane McMahon, a McMahon, a male McMahon, calling Braun Strowman stupid over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, 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 oh. I had never put that together just until now. That is... Who wrote that angle, Jeff? Who, who wrote, wrote that angle? Wrote that angle? Mm. Huh. <laughs> what do you think the writer of that angle thinks about the performer? You Braun know what? We're going to... But we're going to get a DM saying it wasn't Vince. We're going to get a DM saying it was somebody else. But, uh, but, but who watched that angle and liked but, it and said more of that, please? Keep going I, with I, that. I, 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 want, I want to imagine that at the, you know, the WrestleMania planning meeting, it's like, all right, we're going to divvy out these angles for everybody. But I'm going to take this Braun Shane one. <laughs> and make it my personal pet project here. I've got an idea I for this. I have reasons. I have reasons, yes. <laughs> and this would have been I shortly mean... after the contract renegotiation, too. No, like, I was thinking about that immediately. I was like, yikes. Because, like, yeah, normally... Because this is also a company with a long history and a long recent history of playing stuff out. Let us not forget about Lana, another person who was cut, who was totally not getting punished by being put through tables. That was totally had nothing to do with retribution. Uh, not, yeah, right. So, like, I do, you do often see what appears to be vendettas against certain performers who uh, cross vince one way or another or disappoint vince one way or another play out on screen or appear to play out on screen ron Strowman is also i believe in some way a product of new toy syndrome slash vince's love for big men we now have commander aziz and we have almost and i'm here to tell you something ron Strowman's better than both those guys ever will be by a lot by a, by a lot, lot. Ron by Strowman a lot is an actually pretty decent wrestler who like as recently as the last pay-per-view was doing rolling sentons but i remember some of his big matches against like roman reigns where he's doing like diving headbutts off of the top rope and turning in actually well-worked matches the guy wanted to be a good professional wrestler and wanted to be a top level guy for vince and had his working boots on it's just he was getting burdened with like stupid crap 
crap like chugga 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 choo choo chugga chugga uh, yeah, locking all- kevin owens and porta potties if you remember that feud if you yes. remember and you know what else he, he he also had that thing where they turn him every three weeks it's like okay we're gonna make him a baby face we're gonna make him a heel we're gonna make him a baby face we're gonna make him a heel it's 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 almost professional malfeasance what they did to Braun Strowman in some way, but they gave him a lot of chances to and a lot of big spots. So I mean, they we'll never where really we think trusted they him. They never yes. really trusted him. They never trusted and him to actually be a face of the company. And they they gave him get these hands, and then no one ever got those hands. So like, yes. I, I don't you know you say they gave him a lot of chances. I think in those chances, largely he delivered. I don't I do think that I don't think he floundered that bad. I think that insofar as he floundered, he stepped to fail. He, he he was given chicken crap and asked why he didn't make a chicken salad, I think, a lot. And we'll 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 go into where we think they end up, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you're the guy in charge of making these stories. You're in charge of making these people look good. And and boy, there's that other thing that I have in the back of my head, the Southern and draw. And it's like, <laughs> I could see that being a derogatory thing in terms of how he books people. I mean, even though he wanted Luke Harper to have a Southern accent and got mad at Luke Harper for not being able to do a Southern accent. Here's Braun Strowman with a Southern accent, which he despises by the way. And it's, it's just, it's such a weird thing. Uh, and the other thing was the ridiculous voice that they had him talk in, which like absolutely, I, I have feelings. Uh, you know, like, like he can't actually. He do talked anything. too much. He talked too talked much. They wanted him to do. Much. There was no mystery to him. There's no mystery to a giant who talks a lot. Oh, oh God. Also, some of the promos they'd have him do. Like, I can't think of, like, some of the goofy lies, but he had a lot of suffering succotashes along the way. A lot of suffering succotashes. Buddy Murphy, also a victim of, of that Aaliyah angle, killed him. We... Let me put you this way. There are things already against him. Australian, short... Uh, quote unquote, doesn't know how to work, even though he puts God, on spectacular matches. He was so matches. good. He was so good. It, it, this makes me so angry. He was but, great on 205 Live. But the thing that killed him was getting taken off of 205 Live and giving a main roster storyline. The Aaliyah story killed him. And part of that was, and I'm going to basically sum this up since I, I can't really give a lot of details, not being manly enough in that Aaliyah angle that yeah that was the problem it's the one thing keeping that angle from really really connecting really getting over ray was was out there putting his heart out there into every one of those lines dominic you could feel his death Aaliyah, ah she loved him they were age appropriate too. It made oh, sense. What thirty-two year old doesn't go out with a hot nineteen year old? That happens. It's it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's normal. Um, and, it's and a that Steely was the, Dan song. <laughs> it was the only. You know, a little bit. Don't stand so close to me. Like maybe age yeah. a few years. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. That's a great police song. Um, so you're right. If if Murphy had delivered a little bit more on the man department. <laughs> I think that this could have really connected with people. Uh, I, was, I was watching sometimes like, I don't know that he really wants her. 
Uh, I, I want to see a little bit more lust. Sell it more. Uh, Sell it, yeah. Santana Garrett is just a victim of uh, being brought up to the main roster, thinking that they're going to fill a spot with her, and then all the ideas and COVID hit and everything else, and it's just, uh, nope. Uh, I my the, the, the worst thing they did with her is during that Mae Young classic that she was in, the first one, I believe. Or I think she was in both, but... <laughs> Stephanie McMahon on commentary. Wonder Woman, number one movie in the country. Santana Garrett comes out. Stephanie McMahon, this is this is WWE's own version of Wonder Woman. And I'm watching, I'm going, that's brilliant. I had never thought of Santana Garrett as Wonder Woman, but yes, she looks exactly what Wonder Woman. Beat in the first round. <laughs> Been clean as a sheet, one, two, three. Do I believe Piper Niven? They like never okay. thought of her as anything other than an enhancement talent, and they never like, used her on the main roster. They never <laughs> used her on the main. And, and when they like, I mean, she is someone who definitely could have been in the mix and having great matches with all of like the great talents, the Becky Lynches, Ronda Rousey's. Um, I, I mean, Shayna Baszler's. Like, there are a lot of people. Garrett, I think, actually is very capable of having great matches with it. And this is just a person kind of like. It's the opposite of the new toy syndrome. It's like, we didn't build you. We didn't make you. And so we'll never accept you as one of us. And we never want to really push you. She was one where they had her in the system. They let her go. And then they brought her back. And that's just a death knell. They just signed her to keep her away from other from other people. And that, that's a shame. Uh, Alistair Black? See, he was he was just involved in a very hot storyline here, and I, I have to say that this yes. is actually no, it's a great twist. It's a great twist. So, what Alistair Black was doing for several weeks is telling us about his dad issues, and we got those cool animated anime style vignettes and everything. And then he emerged from the back rooms and the shadows one day, and he just like lightning kicked Big E, and then he disappeared. We never heard from him again. I like see a problem with a lot of WWE booking these days, Jeff. Uh, I, and I know you wanted to get into this later in the show. I hate to steal your thunder here. A lot of times, the, the angles don't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. And this one is great. We had vignettes, emerge from mist, <laughs> kick Big E in the face, never heard from again. Clean as a sheet. I love it. That That's fresh storytelling. Nothing won't overstated. Ever be won't ever be spoken of again either, I would assume. Also, here's a twist I haven't heard a lot of people bring up, but I'm going to bring it up. Two weeks ago, it's reported her wife was brought back to the NXT Performance Center after being fired. I'm guessing a Twitch deal was made of some kind because they were on Twitch this week talking. Just, un again, another guy where all you have to do is watch the NXT television. That's how you present somebody. Mad over. Huge pop when he comes up. Now, now we got to put our spin on it. Crack your knuckles and start uh, thinking of... You can tell that they don't get Aleister Black, though, because look at the booking of Karrion Cross. It's like, it's, it's like Aleister Black, if you learned none of the lessons and successes of booking Aleister Black and you were just doing it tablio rasa as though Aleister Black had never been a thing you had presented on your television. Lana. <laughs> uh, what, what can we say? A great worker. 
look, let me let me defend her a little bit here before you bury her for her work rate. She had improved. She had worked to improve. As you said, she was put through a table for like eight weeks in a row. She had had the company mess with her relationship to the point of putting her with Dolph. You remember the Dolph Ziggler angle with Rusev? Now, look, you may not like Lana. Not you personally, Chris, but the collective you, the the listeners, the viewers. No, but Dolph is a popular prop that Vince likes to use, narratively speaking, when he wants to rib somebody. Because he did this with Otis and Mandy, too. Remember? Yes. 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 You shouldn't want to love that kind of guy. You should want to love that kind of guy. And I don't hold it against Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler's a good-looking man. I'm not going to hold that against him. No, no, no. This is not Dolph's fault. I mean, like, what's Dolph? I mean, I don't even know how Dolph goes to Vince. Hey, I'm not comfortable doing these sorts of angles. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just... Uh, it's it's like weird um yeah no i don't hold it against him because it could be anyone but vince is clearly using Dolph as a proxy and as a message and as a totem and finally ruby riot man all right man i know i i i got yeah huge miss great backstory which they brought up on the friggin air and never followed up with as the ner- the nerdy kid who then you know got into tattoos and punk rock great worker on the indies gets brought up by nxt you know she's not a vince type of kevin dunn superficial type of bs look no, but it's like okay no like punk they, they don't actually like real punks. It's actually amazing to me that Corey Grace has somehow found a way to eke out an existence in WWE's lifestyle. WWE's never understood punk. Um, they've always, like, thought punk is the pop punk version of punk. Um, like, it's like the Liv Morgan presentation of punk versus what the Ruby Riot about? Okay, what about Rhea Ripley? Ah, uh, that'd be that's interesting. But that I mean, honestly, think about the pushing of Rhea Ripley right now. I think Rhea yeah. Ripley actually might actually be making my case for me. Yeah, they called her a vampire on the air, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, no. <laughs> how, how long until she's a goth? How long until she's biting Becky Lynch's neck? Like, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, so so I, I don't know. I think Rhea Ripley might actually be making a stronger case for me about Ruby Riot. But the riot squad all three of them brought up as a unit pretty good unit i thought i i boy sarah logan or whatever name that she was that her name on yeah, screen was, i can't was, remember sarah logan no i i she actually was kind of all right but but they never gave her a shot either after they found out she was kentucky and you know, her uncle tater and so it became about like eating squirrels and crap. I, I remember Jim Ross bringing that up on air during the May Young Classic, and then it, they just ran with it with Vince. You know, once Sarah gets pregnant and leaves, you have a nice tag team here. You have tag team titles. Uh, I, I mean, just... you brought Rhea Ripley. You could have paired Rhea Ripley with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan and had yourself a nice little faction to dominate the women's division with. Uh, like, uh, it Reborn are the riot squad and like, uh, mm-hmm. no knock on Sarah Logan, but you bring Rhea Ripley in there. That's an upgrade. The riot squad 2.0 is an angle. I would have been really into stop, start, stop, start. She gets injured. I believe because of someone else. 
in the ring. It was an in-ring injury caused oh, by somebody yeah. else. Someone who's uh, maybe has to work on their upper body strength a little bit and like never has. Oh, over. her. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that might've been her. I just, I, they, they have women's tag team titles and they were the one actual team in the division and they never got the titles other than the, Oh, the Iconics were there at the time too, before they got, they broke up <laughs> and I'm just like, and it looked like they were going to build them up, and then they never did. It was always like a little bit of blue balling people on on the on the on the riot squad. Well, and it was like, like it's like Liv Morgan wasn't good enough to carry matches, and Ruby Ruby Riot was not the look that Vince yes. wanted. So like yes, Morgan has exactly. the look that yes. Vince likes, and Riot had the work that would have gotten the look by. Um, and, and those two together like didn't work. I I mean, I guess they'll still try again with Liv Morgan. I I'm not trying to knock her. I mean, it's just. Ruby's a really great talent, and I hope that she has a second act somewhere else. And she gets oh, to, she'll be fine. She's gonna yeah, land somewhere. I want her to show the world what we've been missing. Uh, she's gonna have a Serena. She's gonna have a Serena Deeb like renaissance. Yeah, out there now that she's once uh, she's free. But okay, let let's go with this. Then I am going to list a name. Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first on where you think they land? Okay. Okay. Sure. We will start. We'll start from the bottom and go to the tops or not the bottom, but you know, we'll, we'll end with Braun is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Santana Garrett. I think AEW's got time to fill up. They need to pad out their division. I could see them getting Santana, Santana Garrett, uh, and not having to spend a ton of money. I think it's impact. I think she goes back to impact and they have a burgeoning women's division there and she was there before. And they have a talent share program kind of going on with AEW anyways, but yeah, you're, you might be right. She might be, she might be an impact and she might quickly become like the impact champion. Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy should get himself over to AEW. Uh, that dude's good. Um, I, I, I don't see him going to Japan. Um, I do. I, Oh, you do. Okay. All right. And I think he, I, I think he is in the best of the super juniors. The next okay. chance he gets. Okay. That'd be dope. I'd be into that. I could see him in Noah. I could see him, you know, I could see him going over to Japan and tearing it up and then maybe coming back. He's got, I think, I think buddy Murphy is going to be a bit of a vagabond. I think he's not going to want to get tied down anywhere. I think he's at the peak of his game. He's going to go in certain places that I'll give him moves. I think I think you might see him on, on a few American indies, but I think mostly it's going to be overseas. You know what? He he might want to go and see what's up in New Japan. They need to flesh out stuff. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, this is a great chance for him to get in there. And if he, he wanted and Leo to the- rush, he yeah. and Leo rush of the Gaijins in, in that, in that super juniors division, I think, I think could be something. Yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Lana. I think Lana has to go and end up with Miro and AEW. I don't like it, um, but if Miro wants his wife in AEW, uh, he is going to have his wife in AEW. I think it's a good act. I think there's too many managers right now in AEW, but I think Lana would be a fit there. I am going to go on a wing and say we don't see her in wrestling i think they start a family i think it's about time 
And I think that's what happens. That's just reckless speculation on my part. But if she gets the job with AEW, she's going to kill it. They're going to love that act in AEW because they're going to, they're going to think both of them are screwed. That, that audience, that audience is a little bit more knowledgeable than most. I think, I think she'd be fine there. Alistair Black. Alistair Black's an interesting one because I could see him going to New Japan and getting himself to the top of the card very quickly. Um, and given the lay of the land between AEW and New Japan right now, I think Black's money move is to go to New Japan and basically become top gaijin over there versus going into AEW and getting stuck in the vice presidential miasma that is AEW's booking scenario right now. This is a little unfair because I've seen Aleister Black in PWG, Tommy End. This is the only guy I think that is a slam dunk AEW. I think he gets signed the I think he is probably the Joker in the next battle Royal at in Chicago. I think he's the only guy other than Samoa Joe. They loved him in PWG. The bucks love him. Omega loves him. Excalibur loves him. They're going to go to bat for him. I think he's definitely PWG bound Ruby riot or AEW bound Uh, Ruby riot. Ruby Riot, uh, I think she's probably AEW bound eventually, but she might take a break for a while. I don't know that she necessarily like rushes back into wrestling. I could see her like, she seems like somebody I could see doing whatever she wants her second career to be. Like she strikes me as the type of person who like wrestling is not the only thing that she wants to do with her life. And so maybe she does that for a minute and then gets back into wrestling probably ultimately in an AEW context. Fairly certain she's going back to the Heidi Lovelace name that she had before. She is one that I think AEW really should pick up. But then again, I thought they should pick up Nicole Savoy. I thought they should pick up Chrissy Janes. It depends on who likes her and who doesn't, but she's a sweetheart to everybody. So I don't see any uh, political problems going in there. I, I think they need her in AEW. I really do. But I could see Ring of Honor being a destination too, because they need, they need some more good technicians in ring of honor. And I could see them overpaying for at least in the short term. And then once she does that contract, then maybe, uh, then maybe that kind of, it seems like the Santana Garrett mode. And and like, I guess like there's sort of two paths right now is like what this discussion is sort of illustrating one you go right into AEW because you think the time for you to do the AEW play is now because that's like really like the ultimate move. Uh, or you are looking at doing New Japan or Ring of Honor or Impact or one of the, for lack of a better term, I hate calling New Japan sea level, but like New Japan is like not New Japan of like seven or eight years ago. Like New Japan is like in a place right now. Uh, and. You do one of those, and I guess by in a place, I mean a little bit lower water level, Mark, where you can come in, sort of get overpaid and overpresented for where you're at to build up your brand to eventually pitch yourself to AEW. Because in a lot of cases, these other companies already have a working relationship with AEW. Um, it's a leverage play, essentially, and it's all centered around AEW and getting Tony Khan to throw you the big money. So your point about Aleister Black, uh, Tommy End, 
Um, if Omega and the Bucks and all those guys are ready to throw Mondo money at Tommy End right now, yeah, Tommy End's going to sign the contract. Um, but if for some reason they're not, that I think the move would be to go over there and just get like booked into main event angles and have your have your like top level matches in New Japan and make yourself look like a million dollars before you go over to um, All Elite Wrestling, where like I I would if I was End. I would want to make sure that my first angle was me beating Kenny Omega for the title. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Braun Strowman. I think he tries his hand at acting. I think he tries that's his a, hand. That's yeah. a strong call because that's what I'm leaning towards too. The Southern accent is going to be in his way, but with all the superhero IP coming out, I could and and I think Batista likes him. Yeah, I think Batista could put a good word in for him. I, I'm not certain of that. I think he may leave the business. I think he may re-sign with WWE for less money. That's a distinct possibility. And I could see him maybe might be coming back play. and doing AEW. But I think at this point, I, Braun Strowman I, is thinking. Of, I mean, he's thinking one. He can't be Braun Strowman anymore. So and like Braun Strowman's kind of a shitty name, anyways. Um, so he needs to have a new working gimmick if he's going to keep wrestling. And two, maybe it's time for him to just build up whatever he wants his acting name to be. I think you're right. Call up Dave, Dave Batista, get some work, do like some sci-fi, do some superhero stuff, do some TV, do some movies, maybe appear in a Netflix series, build up your brand a little bit. And doing so, if you want to come back to the business, they'll overpay for you. B-R-A-W-N-S-T-R-O-M-A-N. Braun Strowman. <laughs> he just trademarks that and goes on. Uh, I don't think AEW is even possible, and I'll tell you why. Because he will dwarf the Lance Archers, the Miros, the Jake Hagers, and the Wardlows. They got big men du jour in there. They don't need another one there. I'll give you something that might surprise you. I think New Japan or All Japan could be a destination for him if he wants to continue wrestling. Because the oh, Japanese he'd be market... great in the G1, right? He'd be like a perfect G1 character uh, now, for now, people to have matches against. Well, if you recall, during the quote-unquote heyday of seven years ago, Bad Luck Fallet That's what is I was exactly about to point to. Okay, that, I thought no, you were being sarcastic. No, I'm not sarcastic. being sarcastic. I'm not. You need Toroyano. You need Bad Luck Fallet. Everyone thinks G1 means I'm getting a great match every time. Each one's going to be a great one. That's what the G and the yes. one stand for. Yes, uh, I, no. could hear, I could hear. I could hear the the wails of the flagship listeners who enter into the tournament every year. You're ruining the purity of our thing with Toru Yano in this tournament. Blah blah blah. blah. And so is Fale. Those guys are there to make the math make sense and also to give you some match variety. And like you do need the obligatory giant match. The giant can make sure to eliminate some of the ringers. Um, so you can make the giant look strong. You don't want to make the giant look too strong so you can make him have some strategic losses to help build people up. The giant is a very important character in the G1 block, whoever that giant character is. And, and that giant's not supposed to win. And I think Braun Strowman would perfectly slot into that spot. Baba, Vader, Bam Bam, Bob Sap. The Japanese love their big men. He could make bank over in Japan if he has the right people in his ear and if he has the right mindset going in 
That's oh man, the first time he goes over there and goes like full gaijin heel and is like, I don't care anything about the tradition over here. Get me Okada, I want to wring his scrawny little neck. <laughs> wait, wait uh, hold on, hold on. You want him to, you want him to be New Japan's Baron Corbin? <laughs> Go back to the Indies. Go back to Ring of Honor. <laughs> No, he's the guy who came over from America and he wants to like strangle all these little scrawny like, oh, look at that, your champion's small. I'm going to crush him. Like classic American stuff, man. Ugly, like, ugly American gimmick yeah. for Braun Strowman. Okay, Absolutely. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm yeah. here for that. All right, we've <laughs> done enough talk on that, I think. WWE has named sports media veteran Jamie Horowitz its executive vice president of developmental and digital or development and digital effective immediately overseeing much original content, including scripted and unscripted programs for digital and social media. He'll also be responsible for WWE studios in Los Angeles, whose projects include a docuseries with Netflix about Vince McMahon with Chris Smith, formerly of fire, the greatest party that never happened directing and Bill Simmons. ESPN's 30 for 30 docu-series, get ready for the ball washing, executive producing. Horowitz will be based at WWE Stanford, Connecticut headquarters with frequent travel to Los Angeles. As it expands its leadership, the pro wrestling powerhouse also named another DZone exec. Matt Drew as senior vice president international. Samira Shaw was named general counsel. Now, Horowitz is also ex-Fox Sports and ex-ESPN. He is one of the guys behind the what I like to term facts versus volume type of shows like first take that originally had skip Bayless and Shannon, Shannon sharp on it. I'm going to say Shannon Smith or no, Stephen A. Smith and, uh, and skip Bayless, I believe were the originals on there, but uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're showing up their non their, their legit sports credentials. Horowitz, also famous for kind of ign- uh, having to leave Fox under bad circumstances, sexual harassment allegations, of course. Um, any thoughts on uh, hiring from? Here, here's the other angle I was saying with with the zone. The zone is one of the people that brought pay per view back to quite quote unquote streaming platforms. I could see them bringing in these guys to see if they can get the WrestleManias or the Royal Rumbles, if that would be feasible now that they're on a different streaming platform, possibly back in the pay-per-view market slash having to pay on Peacock to watch it. Yeah, I think they want to, I think that certainly will come up as a conversation, but I, I, boy, I have my doubts about them actually being able to turn real sales on these pay-per-view events now. Uh, as a yeah, I do too. Yeah, I have yeah, doubts I, about I, that, but I, I can see them. Doubts. Well, look at all these boxing numbers. We're we're much better and more family friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I get I get the allure too. You like look at some of this like trash wrestling boxing stuff that's been going up there, and it's like these. Oh, what what is that promotion called? Like, it's basically just professional wrestling boxing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The ones that's like still. Dog. And like they had oh. uh, Nate Robinson box uh, Jake Paul. Yeah, what, yeah, that thing got called? knocked out. Yeah, yeah, oh. like like that was just a that was a wrestling show. It was boxing, but like that was a wrestling show. That was like not a real boxing exhibition thing. Um, uh, it it was I I can see how Vince or his people watched that and they're like, 
man, I feel like there's got to be a way we could make money with wrestling doing this. And I think the answer is, yeah, but you'd have to get back to making wrestling feel raw and less produced and more like more unscripted and more spontaneous and more like a thing where anything can happen. And like, they don't in the same way that they don't like Ruby riots brand of punk rock, because it's like too unvarnished and too tattooed and too not classically beautiful. This is also how they don't get raw. Um, like they've never on like Vince has never actually understood what raw means. Um, he sort of accidentally stumbled upon the meaning in the mid nineties. And then ever since then, he's been running away from it. Sorry. I, I, I'm staring at the words docuseries with Netflix about Vince McMahon that WWE is producing and Bill Simmons is executive producing. And all I'm thinking is I've used this joke before, so I apologize for recycling it. The Simpsons film festival, a burns for all season. That's what this is going to be <laughs> with little touches of, Oh, you've never seen the real Vince McMahon. It's like, dude, he's going to have creative control over his own life story. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, right, this oh. is, this is going to be so phony. And I feel like we're not going to get like the real Vince story in a televised mode until about three to five years after his death. Uh, but that first, like that first Netflix, like 10 part docu-series or whatever, like the real Vince McMahon, I think it's just gonna, I think it'll do crazy numbers because people like, we know about this in the wrestling community. We know what a weird idiosyncratic individual Vincent Candy McMahon is, but there are so many people who like, if you tell them Vince stories, like the Saudi Arabia plane stuff. Um, like they wouldn't even believe that that was a thing that would be possible. The plane ride from hell story where yeah. he's wrestling, trying to wrestle like Kurt Angle on an airplane all night because he thinks he can take him. But it's going to be like that with the whole kind of, yeah. Well, with uh, cuts coming, I'll, I'm going to skip ratings talk. Ratings talk is boring. Uh <laughs> There was a show my, at the PC. My only thought on ratings talk here, right? I think, uh, the, what's the AEW number? I just went 560. Everything's down. It was, fi I thought it was 520,000. Okay. Let's, let's my, see what it, it is. It, it, it's in the 500s. Here's my one. 526,018 to 49.20, but it's on Friday at a time it's not used to and against the uh, NBA. Okay. Okay. But I do think that Friday is going to be bad for AEW going forward. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think we've seen a downward trend for SmackDown. I expect the downward viewing on television of television on Friday nights to increase as um, America starts to kind of like come back post pandemic here. People are going out more. People are going to be going out more. So a lot of the viewers who are home on Monday nights and home on Wednesday nights, I don't think are going to be home on Friday nights. And I think that's going to eat into the percentages. Um, I, you know, I, I just want to make a, you know, I, you know, just wanted to get that thought out there, but, but otherwise I'm not looking at this and going like in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club 
Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network oh man aw screwed i just think friday is friday is about to become a very bad night in the television lineup because of changes in our society that are coming and I think we're Only already starting Tim to Allen can save Friday nights and he's leaving. So <laughs> uh, TGIF coming back, I think, would, you know, get Pat Duffy. What's Duffy up to? We needed to revive step by step. He owns a bar that my friend who used to work at in Hollywood. <laughs> he's in, Him? Um, I actually know that offhand. That's Odie. Uh, now, that's fantastic that I knew that offhand. Uh, with uh, with cuts comes new toys. Time for new toys. Vince needs new toys. So there's been a performance center show for WWE top level brass. All the usual suspects there: Canyon Seaman, John Laurinaitis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If Karrion Cross or Raquel Gonzalez lose their titles, they are going to the main roster. Those death taxes gimmicks straight out of (laughs) Vince playbook both of them uh give me somebody off off the charts or uh, that you go okay maybe that maybe they bring them up that you wouldn't think they'd normally bring up because they always do that too they bring somebody who has no business being on the main roster just because 
<laughs> the answer for that would be Bobby Fish. Like, like that'd be the ultimate not be ran, random ass call up where you're like, really, Bobby Fish? Like, I like Bobby Fish. I think Bobby Fish is a great wrestler, but like, why? Why him? Uh, he would be my like. Really, you're calling a Bobby Fish? Okay. Uh, hmm. I actually think that might <laughs> <laughs> just because it's like, well, let's give the and veteran a back- nice run. Yeah, he's repackaged into some weirdo, like, the tradesman gimmick or something like oh, that. Oh, he is, he is chasing for that 24-7 title within two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I will go with Dakota Kai. Just for somebody, for Reina to, or I keep calling her Reina Gonzalez, but it's Raquel now. Uh, just for someone for her to work with and be comfortable with and to squash every week. She's never going to get wins, but she's going to be the, she's going to be the Ruby Riot. Of this group, and it's a shame because timing was better. She'd be one of the horsewomen, but alas, I think that I think they I, I think they get brought up, maybe even together to break them up. But eventually, look, she, Raquel Gonzalez is tall and she's built, and she has lats, and Vince is a bodybuilder, and he's gonna love that. Do, do you think Carrie, Vince knows that he has Walter in the company? Like, do you think Vince is aware that Walter's under contract? I think Walter won't go. I think Walter knows better. I think Walter wants to have some of his freedom, and NXT UK gives that to him. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think it's, it's, I'm more just making a joke because, like, the answer to so yeah. many of Vince's problems has yes, always been Walter. It's Walter. Yeah, it's yeah. Walter. It it's definitely Walter. is, and then. But he's gonna he's gonna bring up Karrion Cross and Scarlet and the hope and or fall and pray, and you know oh, it gets what, it what gets we... worse every week. I feel like she adds less on a weekly basis. The TikTok thing on her face this week had me laughing. What what can we dress her in? And you know <laughs> that that's what Kevin Dunn's thinking right now. And, so, and, yeah. and his characterization is getting more and more weird. Like he he's Let's get into that. Let's get into that. And I did not enjoy a lot of this NXT NXT show this week because, again, the way they got to the the fatal four way made no sense in any way. But the thing that I'm watching and I'm I don't know this, guys, I am. You can okay boomer me all you want in my replies because I refer to 80s wrestling a lot. I get that. Part of my charm, part of the listening hook here. Sorry. I you think don't that's charming? Know. You think people like that? I don't have any charm, so it doesn't really matter, Chris. I, <laughs> I, I just, I just I, want to put the question out there. I don't know if... Like, I viewed that Adam Cole carrying cross back and forth as bad for both people as opposed to really good interplay because the kinds of insults they were throwing were a little too on the nose, a little too breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. It's sort of, okay. There's, there's a type of roasting where it's like, Oh man, you really sizzled them or you really burned him. But part of what it does is it sort of like shatters the gimmick in the case of Cole coming in there when he does the whole thing about 
like you walk through and you get this big presentational entrance and you've got like the babe and, and like especially when scarlet's dressed up like TikTok, like this like mascot babe girl for carrying cross like he makes a really great point everything cross is doing is all like sort of like presentational the gussied up and everything like that and then when crossfire's back about how you are scrawny and you look like a gas station attendant and you got like overbooked like it does sort of like get to the heart of like how does adam cole win matches against these much larger dudes like a keith lee shouldn't a keith lee essentially be able to like rip adam cole into shreds yeah and this is why i bring this up because in the 80s these types of things happened all the time but it didn't feel like they were burying guys mostly because it wasn't true half the time but it would be like the horsemen come out and they talk about how oh you the the road warriors they love going to the gym and pumping that iron you know while we're in the ring you know handling our tech you know our, our game plan and fine-tuning our tag team stuff or rick flair saying magnum ta had a, a neck like a stack of dimes but it was never like i'm like they'd say i'm a more talented wrestler without kind of undercutting them off you know there was always that when they were in the stare with each other you knew it was on and it was kind of the false bravado of rick flair type thing this felt yeah this felt like like when when cole was talking about the presentation and stuff if adam cole had a gimmick of i am the had the Daniel Bryan, I'm the best technical wrestler, best blah, 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 blah. That works because then you talk about how all of that is a cover for the fact that you're not as good as me in that squared circle. Not I can put on the best show or I am the best, you know, work rate guy. I'm the best wrestler as a character type of thing. And and conversely, yes. That stupid Triple H, Kevin Nash, CM Punk dynamic. You look like, what is it? You look like a, a gas station like a attendant. Waffle, well, no, well, for Adam Cole, it was gas station attendant. For CM Punk, it was Waffle House cook, if you remember. That does nothing for, but CM Punk has the gift of gab. It could give right back to Kevin Nash and, and could, could kind of deflect that. Here, it's like, yeah, now I doubt Adam Cole. And I just... It, it, I well, I doubt Adam Cole, but like, why am I rooting for Adam Cole when Adam yes, Cole... he's a been jerk. A Mondo, he's been a Mondo dick to cool Kyle. Um, Cool Kyle is cool because Cole is uncool. It's uncool Adam and cool Kyle. <laughs> so when uncool Adam comes out and is cool, and dare I say it, Jeff cooler than cool kyle has been at any point during this cool kyle run um it it like does deeply undermine the cool kyle character off screen too in the mix of all of this and also the fact that now cole is in this mix and now you're more interested in the cole and cross interaction than you are in cool kyle's role in the title yes. hunt so that's yet we another built up, problem. We built promo. up the Kyle O'Reilly story to finally, you know, okay, he finally beats Balor. Probably should have been for the title, but nope, we got carrying cross back. Gotta get that big man going. Gotta get, you know, smoke lights, fall and pray, fall and pray. Ah, you know, it's, it's just, there's nothing to do with these guys. The, the Garganos, 
the Adam Coles, the Kyle O'Reilly's. I love them. I love them to death. But they are stuck now in a promotion where they're not allowed to evolve. Ciampa's trying with this Thatcher thing, at least. He's at least getting something. But there's this group of guys where you're just like, I love them to death. Let them make up their own creative and see what they come up with because you guys have done okay servicing them. Now let them see what they can come up with to do better because I just, I, I don't see it. I don't, I, I don't see what more you can do with them. And that is a shame because they're, they're, they, they go up to that main roster and be killed, man. They'd be, you know, Roman Reigns. Oh, you know, Adam Cole has no hope on the main roster. I like, and not because he's not a good wrestler, but like, this is quintessential guy Vince sees, uh, and he is the glorious Bobby Roode put uh, yeah. in the inglorious position in a relatively short order in a if tag team can, at if, best. He can have a great match with Daniel Bryan. Don't get me wrong. He did on the main roster. When oh, they were oh, Ken, oh, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Daniel's still there, so he can have that great but, match but with now, the ghost you know, of Daniel oh, Bryan. Look, look, here's former NXT champion Adam Cole going up against Bobby Lashley. It's just like, uh, uh. They, they don't know how to build small ass kickers. Let's put it that way. They never have, and they've never wanted to because Vince doesn't believe small people can fight. Yeah, even when he had Ken Shamrock. I mean, think about this, y'all. He had Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock had maybe some of the best babyface fire of anybody in the 1990s, and, like, Vince never wanted to put that guy over as, like, a legitimate ass kicker because he's a little too small. Yeah, overall, this NXT was a mess. It felt like they'd been they forgot they forgot literally that they have an NXT in your or they have an in your house in two weeks. So it's like, okay, first first half of this show, we're just gonna run everybody out there and tell everybody what the match is. You know, you had that Ember Moon thing out there that was out of place. You had you had a triple threat that was kind of you know, ah, let's pull the plug on this so we can have a fatal four-way later yeah, you know that triple threat was horrible because it's just like you were watching you go like there's no way they're going to a finish on this like why is this happening to lead off the show it's like it was overly hot like it's too hot to start off a show with pete dunn versus johnny gargano versus kyle o'reilly like that that's that should have been a main event um and ending that with an angle like i i don't think was uh was a plus um would have been way better. Would have been better to start off with Jake Atlas and LA Knight because I wasn't more into that after this bizarre opening match. I was less into it. I only have one note for the main roster this uh, week. I got a couple really? other notes here. Uh, okay, Frankie Monet. Uh, yeah, I, I could. I don't like this character. I thought the follow up on Frankie Monet with her uh, two little hench boys uh, was not a, a strong step in the characterization direction. Um, also the T and Shaw thing, uh, they did try to put some history between Mercedes and <laughs> They put history that they've never brought up ever. Ever. This was something I had, I, I wanted to bring up. So thank you. You're mad about the May Young classic from three or four years ago. You both have been in this performance center since now you're angry at it. Okay. It, I, look, I'm not, I'm never gonna absolutely slam attempts at continuity by this company. But <laughs> Chris, I hold grudges for a long time. Don't get me wrong. 
this one seems like it would have bubbled up before this. Yeah, it would. It seems like it would. If it was this bad, it would have needed a dressing by now, right? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it, you beat me in the May Young Classic, a tournament we don't, haven't run in two years. Yeah, uh, the, the va- we're hoarding tra- women. Yeah, vaunted tradition there. Um, yeah. And then we had Zeta Ramir uh, once again getting beaten. Just like I thought, this Candice LeRae, Eddie Hartwell versus Zoe Stark and Zeta Ramir match absolutely didn't need to happen. Uh, like. She she's the Sam Houston, she's yeah, gonna yeah. Be the Sam Houston, and yeah. She's gonna get beat for a while, and then she's gonna get another big win, and we're gonna see what they do with her, and they're gonna team her up with Zoe Stark, yeah, occasionally because yeah. Zoe's go- Zoe's kind of actually kind of playing the Ron Garvin role here. I hate to say that, but it's like they do this occasionally where it be Ron Garvin and Sam Houston versus uh, the Sheep Herders, and the Sheep Herders would always beat Sam Houston. You know, but Garvin would get to shine for a bit. So, you know, it's that kind of old JCP tag corollary there. No, but um, the Cindy Hartwell gimmick stinks. Like, I, I hate does. this. And, uh, and then the Kushida Carmelo Hayes thing was baffling. You have Carmelo Hayes Again, this promo. We get a lovely video package. Here's a guy making his debut you should care about. And yes, he lost to a babyface champ, so it's sportsmanship. And oh, we're gonna see a lot from this kid in the future. But how about we build to the Kashida match first? Yes, by letting him get some wins. He needs to come out and beat a heel this week. If if you, if you want to present him in this match as a babyface where he gets the respect of Kushida, this week he should have came out, has slightly competitive match against the heel that he gets the better of, and then the next week he should have a real tough match against Kushida. I actually thought that Carmelo Hayes had some nice spots in this match. Including, I liked him. Man, I liked at the end with the hoverboard lock where he was just putting up a little last resistance. He was like, no. Um, and then Kushida overcame him. But that, like, no spot was good. I felt it. I liked it. Um, this but is this not is the way to debut somebody. Yep. No, it, you've introduced the character. Now let's see him in the ring. Now let's see his moves. First week, have him run through a guy that you have no use for, and then go to week two. What 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 are we doing uh, no, here, man? Always in there. I know Frankie Monet is a great example. So they because they went chalk with the presentation of Frankie Monet this week, when she's sitting backstage with her two boys, like she can't really do anything other than I had a great match last week. Think about how much more interesting it would have been if Cora Jade had beaten her. And now Frankie Monet is back there and bitter. And like the first feud that she's in is against Cora Jade because she's upset that this Cora Jade, this young upstart beat her. Um, much more interesting characterization than Frankie Monet still putting up the veneer of niceness. We all know that it's a front. Um, also they've done nothing to pay off like Frankie Monet clearly like sabotaging the tank and everything. Like they dropped that ankle. Um, part of the, mis- part of the mistake here with this character is like Monet has done acts of sabotage to some of her peers and colleagues. And we haven't revisited any of them in weeks. No, point. no, it, it, there's, there's no week. Two. There. There's no week. There's no week two. We writing this show on Tuesday night, guys. Come on, man. You had time to plan this stuff. And uh, then my, my least favorite tag team on the planet, MSK, uh, had another match. I just really? like, I hate these two guys. They're a good team. They're good wrestlers. I just hate these characters. Every time I see that Nash Carter, I want to like punch him. Um, he's or maybe it's Wesley. Uh, I can't. It, it's it's the white surfer dude. 
Uh, I, I don't <laughs> like it. Uh, I, maybe it's that he looks too similar to me. Maybe Lenny the- equals white, Carl equals black. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's Lenny. Since its references abound, yeah, yeah, the Lenny, the Lenny yeah, of the yeah, two. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, um, you know, for for you, they are they are your version of my Joseph Connor and Slapjack. Okay, here's the thing. Who should have uh, been cut? No, 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 been no, cut. no, no, no. What happened? Been no, cut. no, no, sir. What happened this week was a clearing of the deck and a clearing of the runway for the <laughs> Slapjack jet to take off, baby, and fly to the top of Monday night. Had Back to on top. To you. Yeah. Jack it off, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that should never be anybody's catchphrase. Uh, main roster. Look, we're taping on Thursday, so it's hard to do SmackDown and give it its just due. I enjoyed the hell out of that Street Profits Usos match. For oh, what yeah, it was, was and really what it could fun. give us later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, SmackDown. I gotta say, out of all the watches, like the non-AEW watches, like SmackDown continues to be fairly enjoyable most weeks for me. Um, it's not it the is. smartest show on the planet, um, but like, generally speaking, I like a lot of the angles. Um, even even the bad ones are okay, minus the General Aziz uh, Apollo Crews stuff, which they seem to have lost interest in. Uh, so I think it'll be a couple weeks before Aziz breaks away from Apollo. Apollo's going to be learning other accents to keep from getting cut again. Um, <laughs> he might become a sommelier or whatever it is. That, uh, sommelier. sommelier. Oh, Reggie Bechtel? Oh, yeah, my right. God. Oh, man. That angle. Uh, hey, did I not call it last week that it yes. was going to be the puppet sabotaging the angle in the match? Yep. Called that. I do. I have to bring up my fave, Chris. I have to bring up Aunt Pam. I'm a little frustrated, Chris. You know me. I love me some Aunt Pam. Love Bailey. Love her, love her, love her. Great performer. Great character, etc. What they're doing with her right now feels like a bipolar thing. And I say that with all respect to anyone suffering mental illness of any kind. I am not trying to be disparaging or anything. But she gets on... She gets on the commentary and she's all, you know, angry at Bianca, angry at Bianca, angry at Bianca. And she takes off the headset. She gets on the table and she starts doing that laugh. It's inconsistent. It's not earned. It feels like a total flip of the switch for some reason. And it's creepy, Chris. It's creepy to me that they're doing this because just angry Aunt Pam, bitter at Bianca. Gives a weird headspace out, right? Yeah, like, yes, I, I, yeah. It's a weird headspace, and yeah, I, I it's unsettling, but not in like a good unsettling. It's like unsettling. It's like I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. <laughs> and I have that. I have that that tone in my head of her laughing like that, and it will keep me up at nights at time. Yeah, I'm concerned. I think the match will be fine. I don't know if it'll be in the cell. I think they're going to say that for the women on Raw. I mean, I just have concerns for all these women in this division because it's very clear that we are drifting into a whirlpool that is labeled Alexa Bliss and whatever that friggin' doll is named. Um, Well, that's Raw, though. I'm not... (laughs) You you think that's going to affect Raw? You think she's going to be the tag champs and she's going to do both? 
Oh no, no, no. Okay, yeah. So she's still on SmackDown. SmackDown's okay. But God, and you know, it, I'll tell you what, if Vince falls in love with this doll character more, that doll might be on both shows. We have Asuka, kind of flattering. We have Nikki Cross getting, getting, uh, this is not the way to help Nikki Cross with the, I beat you in two minutes, even though I didn't really beat you, to get title shots. We have this Charlotte Rhea thing going where Rhea's the baby face, I guess. Charlotte is- I guess, boy, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I guess. We have Nia and Shayna <laughs> doing the doing, doing and, the and, Re- and Reggie Bechtel, who's in there, and like like they they were a tag team and they are a tag team, and now Nia is oh. loving and supportive of Reggie Bechtel, and like not remotely concerned that there is this fire thing and that like fire keeps seeming to like attack her tag team partner and her boyfriend respectively. Not remotely curious about that. That's not really that big of a deal. Um, but like you got that going on. You have Shayna Baszler who was like an NXT women's champion and a formidable in ring like technician. And she's having an arrogant, slow moving match with Reggie Bechdel who, who she loses to, uh, (laughs) like, like, yeah, the flames happened, but the problem with the flames is that it is not as though Shayna Baszler was losing the match badly, was starting to mount a comeback, and then the flames happened, and they maybe sort of like left an outcome that was heretofore in doubt, like out of her favor. In this case, Shayna Baszler could have shut down the match multiple times because in WWE Universe, men aren't allowed to fight back, really. So Reggie does that one body slam, and he has to apologize profusely because those are the WWE rules. And and so Shayna Baszler starts working Reggie's leg. It's over! Because all Reggie Bechdel has been shown to do in the ring is cartwheels and hoopily-doos and roly-poos and all the other, like, flyy, flippy-doo things that he does and and without a leg he can't do any of them so once Shayna Baszler takes out that leg it is hubris and arrogance that she didn't get the job done on this non-wrestling goober um so like she's also been lost in this biasma this is bothering me Jeff I used to really enjoy me a Shayna Baszler match she works snug I liked it well don't worry I mean the commentary oh wait (laughs) Jimmy Smith drink every time he says, oh, my God, because that's all he said on this friggin show. Look, I give him and credit. Uh, he watched the Adnan Virk shows and he was just like, I'm not going to do what Adnan Virk did. Um, no, but, he's not going to defer. He's going to get in. He's going to get his stuff in. But it's going to be, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Acting question, because I, I forget this. What did they do that at, at the gorilla position when Reggie came back? Did they miss the cue for Nia by like a second where she was supposed to be like happy, happy, happy? Or did I imagine that? I can't remember. I, I think, you no, know, they did. They did. She was like, like elated that he won. Like she's now actually. No, in- she was elated that he won, but she didn't get there until somebody kind of gave her a cue and they were already alive for a second. Uh, as opposed to going into it. I forget if I missed that or not, but yeah, yeah no, no, but like, yeah, no, th- this is another inconsistency. Cause before remember, like she was totally using Reggie as a prop 
Now, inexplicably, she's absolutely like into Reggie. Now that Reggie can beat another woman in a wrestling match, she is impressed by Reggie's masculinity. It's, <laughs> it, I, I, it, it, Reggie Bechdel, everybody. Reggie Bechdel. I will, I will sandwich with this with another nice comment as we leave the main roster. I actually, I've started to enjoy Carmella's matches a lot more. I don't think she's. I think she's improved quite a bit, and she's I don't think she gets good, enough credit for that. She's a good heel, right? Like she's actually yes, like, legitimately she's a very she's good, good heel. She's a good heel. I like Carmella a lot. I I think she's a quality act. Now, now that being said, get some gear, girl. That does not slip on you. That is not you pulling up g strings and leggings and other things because this is driving me nuts now chris this is but her against bianca i really enjoyed that i i did it was one of those things where it's like i was shocked by how much i enjoyed it because carmella plays a very good heel Uh, yeah i agree okay some quick nxt uk and double or nothing okay okay drew mcintyre losing steam um i i feel like drew mcintyre's what that's such a terrible angle him and kofi that whole thing it's so bad it's so bad like this match i was like looking at the runtime 22 minutes it felt like it was going on for an attorney and like drew mcintyre they keep finding these crap pairings for him whether it's bobby lashley or kofi kingston it's like the people they're pairing him with do not allow drew mcintyre to do the drew thing that like drew does best i also think drew has gotten into some bad habits in the ring like pacing wise and stuff and he's gotten a little too wwe in his work style and it's making him he's having boring matches now i will i will go even more directly i think all of his interactions are somewhat disingenuous but they're also both he and kofi are passive aggressive baby faces who break the fourth wall you know, they're commenting on story, you know, you know, they're they, well, maybe not breaking the fourth wall per se, but they're they're both disingenuous, friendly people to each other. It's like I don't it, bring up pain points with friends. It validates the Orton Matt Riddle angle a little bit, right? Yes. Like, like, like that Orton's actually kind of right to Riddle when he's like, no, dude, like, I don't care that you like the New Day. They're actually not our friends. They're they're competitors. They're fellow competitors and should be treated with a certain degree of arms distance. Look at how Kofi's treating Drew McIntyre right now. Sneaky enjoying now. Number one, I'm enjoying the the Ed Wood aspects of Matt Riddle's acting because he he can't not corpse during a scene because he's just not invested enough in it. So he's looking for the zipper to his mouth. And he's cracking himself up looking for it. I enjoy- Randy now with the heel goatee. <laughs> I, I enjoy that he came back with facial hair. I do. It, that's funny to me. And I like that they used each other's finishers and they're both kind of shocked by this. 
I want them to be friends. I want I, Matt no, to go I, full I, I, asshole. I, I want Matt to embrace the Orton ideology. I, yes. I, I, I know everyone's like, oh, Orton's going to turn on Riddle. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the obvious move. Yes, of course, that's a classic trope. But the much more interesting play here is that Riddle starts seeing things Randy's way. And they've actually, with the Drew and Kofi thing, they have a great dynamic here where Orton could go come over here. Let me explain to you the real lay of the land. That's the real Kofi Kingston. The Kofi Kingston that's interacting with Drew McIntyre right now, that's the real one. Not the one who's all concerned about your well-being and just looking out for you, man. Throwing pancakes and stuff. No, it's it's this guy. You know, they're not the playful guys. They are underneath, doing that. To- underneath the syrup and the pancakes is a ruthless killer. I'm here for Matt Riddle just dropping the surfer stick and just not even saying anything, just snarling at people. Yeah. Uh, do we want the double or nothing cold takes along with the NXT takes real quick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no, because okay. well, no, let's, let's do a little double or nothing because we're not going to get. Well, hold two. on. Let, let's get through NXT and we'll end with the double or nothing. Okay. NXT UK. Uh, I enjoyed the second match between two beefy dudes beating the crap out of each other. A little, uh, little uh joe joe coffee and rampage uh, brown based on that description i assumed you meant joseph connor's and flash morgan webster uh, i'm no, glad you clarified I'm, I'm not even gonna bring that up because joseph connor's does not exist in my world Ginny deserves better and i'm mad about that Ginny so deserves better on. than joseph connor's look we're going we're going back to joe coffee <laughs> and rampage brown I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the little, hey, it's 1-1. One, one. We're clasping hands and stuff. I mean, how cool was that? And Like, that was... They're it, it finding was, their friendship again after being passive-aggressive. I a dig subtle, that. A then, subtle twist. And then Ilya Dragunov showing up. I like... Oh, uh, did you like that? You don't like it? No. Okay. No, I did not. I love Ilya's new kind of born-again hardcore thing. This reeks of early Ilya... The, the giant killer with the red contacts who thinks, you know, uh, no, I did not like this. I don't want him involved in this. But I do think it's going to end up being these two joining forces, beating Ilya, and then eventually there's a rift between Gallus and Joe, and we get, we get, we get a lot of beef in that ring between those two teams i don't know what happens with Ilya after that but i don't want Ilya anywhere near that. um well okay so here's the thing with Ilya: unresolved business with the coffees remember like yeah they, yeah like so like there is there's a reason for Ilya to be out there um i didn't think it was necessary i think that i, I mean clearly as they're sort of it was talking about in the show um Ilya dragonov's big inflection point was this walter title defeat and the coffees and rampage um, both Joe and Rampage are not in the title hunt right now. Uh, Rampage had his title shot against Walter relatively recently. So, like, uh, I, I mean, I don't want them to have, like, a triple threat for the number one contendership either because, like, you don't think that Rampage is going to get another shot at this again. Um, I don't necessarily think Joe Coffey having another match against Walter helped. You know, like, all three of these guys, none of them are particularly hot enough right now that you'd want to see any of them go up against Walter and be number one contenders against Walter with credibility. I had no further thoughts other than Joseph Connor is trash, and I don't want to see him uh, yeah. on TV. 
Um, the pretty deadly match was fine. I think those guys continue to find yeah, their stride. They're good. Uh, they're good. I'm liking them. Yeah. Uh, Gnome Dar's theme song is one of those theme songs that like I find to be very, very catchy. Um, yeah. 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 It's like really catchy. It, it, it just in an era where like. <laughs> They don't have great guitar hooks. Like that song has like three, and I'm like, I mean, like it's just like the cool, bah, bah, bah. like there's a lot of different little hooks in there that I like actually can remember after the song. I is I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted Jordan Devlin though to be a little bit more big time than coming in, saying he's not going to practice anymore, as if he's still a student on a UK NXT campus. But, but well, also, what that by I, want to, I want to, I want to take it back I to the performance center, buddy. I want to be on, was it, oh, Supernova set, Supernova sessions. You're demanding to be on this week talk show. That's not, no, with, it's, not a, it's a weekly talk show. It's not a week it's talk a week show. Talk show. No, it's it a week talk show. It has a great theme song and a solid host. Noam Dar is great. Don't get me wrong. On this and, show, and, being the passive aggressive jerk, Samuels it's great. It's like the Ed McMahon no. of our generation. No. Yes. Yes. No. Hi-yo. Unless you mean he's a drunk, and I don't think he's a drunk, but no, I don't agree. I think Shaw Samuel takes away from the show. And then the whole couch folding chair gimmick. Okay, I get it. But Devlin's coming back as a heel. Noam Dar is a snarky heel. Is he gonna do the same treatment to him? He has to treat him better than he does, say, uh Nathan Frazier. Or whatever I, I just it doesn't make sense to me and, and then, unless it's like just, 80s heel dumb where it's like i'm the heel and i want to be on the heel show and the heel you know like when brother when like million no, dollar man yeah, brother yeah. Love. But, but dar also as a heel generally speaking does not sit and do the shine job on the other heel when he has a heel and heel interaction he like rubs up and gets prickly against the other heel yes um, yeah which doesn't so make like, sense no it doesn't De and devlin shouldn't be i mean i like yes yeah, some people don't like it, his personal issues aside devlin on the show um should not be a heel at this point he should be a baby face um he like or he should be the irish ace and that means i'm too big time to be on crap like supernova i should yeah. be going after walter again you know, that, that's, there's a certain that's, yeah. certain level of prestige and gravitas. Yeah, I, I want my other shot against Walter. I mean, really, he here's what I would have liked. I would have liked if at the end of the show here when Joe Coffey and Rampage Brown are shaking hands, out comes Jordan Devlin. And they're like, what? Mm -hmm. And like Devlin's like, no, I don't care how big both of you are, Rampage Brown. I'm here to fight you because uh, Jordan Devlin versus Rampage Brown. That's a match that has some intrigue to me. I'm here for that match. Yeah. Uh, some quick ice cold takes. I was originally going to do this at the beginning of the show. Ice cold takes on Double or Nothing. I thought a very good show. I think it was a very overpraised show by some. I, I found a lot of it to be overbooked, Chris. I did. I, I thought a lot of it was a lot of overthinking. Um, my favorite match of the night was actually the pre-show match. I loved that Riho Serena Deeb match. I did. I thought that was spectacular. I thought it was snug. I thought it was vicious. It's what I want to see. The rest of the matches the, were very the good. Deep, I, the Deep Talks is one of the all-time worst-named moves yes. ever. 
The yes, Deep Tons is horrible. Know. It's horrible. It's a horrible name. I liked how she played heel, though. She'll usually play babyface, but I liked I, how she played I, heel I, here. I, I, I told you. I, that, I, that was a... It was a no, she has it in her. She's always had that no, in her. It's I, not that I, no, she's I never been a... That's another... It was a prediction for the match. Like, when we were doing the predictions. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I, I, that, was, uh, that was my shot. That one I hit. Um, I... And I thought it overshadowed the other women's match on the card. To be honest with you, I thought Britt Baker. That was my and other favorite Sheena. match on the card. I, I actually really? thought the women. Yeah, the women's matches were my favorite matches. I guess because of how the middle section went, and I thought it was kind of sloppy, and a little bit. I I think that took me out of it. I I do. I I agree. I was I was most disappointed actually in the stadium stampede thing, because it did not hit the tone that I thought it should have. It was far more light hearted than, but that match is going to be, it's a lot of joke type of setups. Whereas but the stakes were supposed to be existential. Theoretically, yes. Jericho and his team are fighting for their lives. And the second, I mean, from rappelling down the side of the scoreboard, which was gratuitous, I questioned the safety of it as someone, you know, who's alive with the Owen Hart thing and everything. Like, I still remember all that shit. Um, like watching all those things still makes me uneasy. I don't like, I don't enjoy watching. I don't think they look cool. I think it's just like a needless risk, but more importantly, the stakes of this match were existential for Jericho's team. And so like, it shouldn't have been about skitlets. It should have been about fighting hard and fighting brutal and like a constant sense of desperation. More importantly, Jericho and his team should have had their backs against the wall multiple times throughout the match and just narrowly escaping death. Like the whole time we as a viewer should have been like, oh my God, is that going to be the one? Oh my God, is are they going to lose now? And like Sammy's getting pinned and here comes Jericho out of nowhere making the save. JK Desperation. Getting- Desperation yeah. should have been should have been the theme of this thing as opposed to inside whimsy. jokes about whimsy. going whimsy. Pacing. I hated that. On the nose. I hated that. Oh, look. Although I, I, I'm, I'm still debating whether or not I really liked the staging. I mean, it's, it's, it's pure sports entertainment WWE thing. But the Sean Spears as the chairman in a room full of chairs. Okay. I Very running like man. That. Very, very sub-zero. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I know. It was very Mortal Kombat, very running man. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think I'm okay with that part of it. I'm okay with that. Um, ever, like, you know, the Conan spot, I, I mean, whatever. I think that would have been yeah. if, if the, the Spears thing and the Conan spot were the only bits of whimsy or flights of fancy throughout the whole thing. I would have been fine with that. You need a cameo appearance. You need like a little dramatic ah, little thing, a little swagger to it. But no, the, the theme of this match should have been desperation, especially given the fact that in this last hour, the outcomes of both of these main event matches were not in doubt. It made this last hour a real question mark for me as a viewer of what am I? Why? Why do I care? Why do I care? Uh, I like what might have gone out? There we go. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, like like why do I care about the last hour of this show? Given the fact that I know that Omega is retaining and that the inner circle is not breaking up, and, and what needed to be the draw for me during the course of that match was like desperation in the case of Jericho. And then I don't know what was going to get the Omega thing over, but I needed that match with Jericho in the inner circle to be serious. I needed to actually believe that they might lose this match. And I never did for a second. I enjoy, I wanted more of the FTR 
versus proud and powerful. I think I think they got got the short shrift a bit. I did, I pop yes, I pop for Jim Ross's line about Tully looks like he's straight out of the 1986 bunkhouse stampede because he was. We had knee pads over jeans. I think we had a weight belt in there. We had the tank tops and we had random bandanas all over the place, which I for one, I for one pop for. I popped for Tully. Try, you know, doing the Steve Buscemi, how do you do, fellow children? I liked that. The only moment of whimsy I liked in that match for real was them sharing the drink together before they start to fight. The rest of the bar fight, fighting the patrons and whatever. Eh, okay, I get it. You're trying to stage it kind of like a movie thing. But I could see kind of the FTR being the kind of guys, hey, let's have a drink before we fight, and then we'll kick each other's asses. As a character beat, I'll forgive that. That might just be me and my soft spot for FTR and Tully. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, I wanted I wanted the Kenny thing to be a little bit more serious, although it's a lot of screw jobs, a lot of <laughs> a lot of you know I, I hated of finishers. The multiple belts thing I hated. I, I like it was zany prop comedy crap. I get that. I guess that's why you would collect all the belts, but like, this is exactly the sort of comedic spot that I do not want in my top of the card champion. The Miro and, and Lance Archer was good, but short, but again, Jake comes down with the snake and that becomes a thing. It kind of, kind of mirrored for me what happened with Adam page and, and Brian cage with team Taz blowing it for him. It's just a lot of this stuff had so much outside stuff that I just it it, it took me a little bit out of it. I, I think once I, I gotta tell you, it, was, show, it was it was a bit of a predictable show. Um, I mean, we did our predictions, but like not only did we basically other than Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, we thought would defeat Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, at least no, I, I had I had I had Sting and Darby. Uh, oh, yeah. The one I missed was the Battle Royal because I picked Christian Cage. But the, look, the Battle Royal didn't do much for me, anyways, because because the Isaiah the, the other half of Private going Party nowhere. He ain't winning title. I I, I hate to tell you. He, so they're going to do that again. They're going to do the tease again. I think, and I I just think they've done that already. They did that yeah. with Jericho. No, I, I it would be better off. I mean, the, the the call an audible on this. And Jungle Boy says, "I want to go up against Miro," and you spend several weeks building up his match against okay. Miro because I think that's yes. a lot more interesting. You might actually get people to bite. The Jungle Boy might actually beat Miro. Um, have Miro beat Luchasaurus along the way there. Maybe have Miro beat up Marco, Marco Stunt. Um, and Jungle Boy is on a mission. Jungle Boy is trying to vindicate himself um, because, like, no one thinks that he's going to beat Omega. And beating, having Jungle Boy, you know, have another star-making encounter like he did with Chris Jericho where he went the distance and we all really bought in Jungle Boy, um, I, it's not going to do him any good. Yeah, I, but for what it was, I mean, in terms of the final two, if your final two are going to be Christian Cage and Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy has to win that, I think. I think that's the right move. I think Christian eventually turns heel on him. Yeah, I, I uh, mean, we've seen the Matt Hardy stuff drove heel. me nuts, though. What? Go ahead. We, we've seen teases of Christian going heel. So that yes, doesn't. That, yes. that, and, and these crowds, for whatever reason, are really turning on Christian, which like baffles me. Um, 
a little uh, bit. I think it's a generational thing. I think it's yeah. we want our people as opposed to these XW. Except they don't do that for Miro because Miro was more acceptable. I, I, it's 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 a weird, it's a weird dynamic. Uh, I I was done with the Matt Hardy thing after the first time because I think one of the members of Private Party was not officially in the Battle Royal. I thought I thought that was the story. And it's just like I, I'm tired of heel look. If you do it once every six months or every year, it's great. Heels exploiting the rules of every match, be it a triple threat is no DQ or whatever. Puts your heat on your refs, referees, for not controlling things and not making yeah, decisions. Yeah, it puts the heat on the company and the booking patterns. Like, like it, it, it's sort of like insulting. It's like... Well, you guys know that when you book a triple threat that Kenny Omega is just going to cheat in that triple threat. What bulwarks or safeguards are you putting in place? To yes. stop Kenny it Omega. Baby faces look stupid for not planning that they're going to find a way to cheat, not having a. Yeah. A so game where, plan. where are the best friends? Where's Chuck Taylor and Chris Statlander and like, you know, all those people. Yeah. So. Uh, but overall, I mean, the wrestling was good. I, I, I think, it, again, I think there was some prisoner of the moment stuff where people were like, this is the best pay-per-view they ever put on. I was like, no, they're, I, I remember liking a couple others that were better. Um, but, you know, it was still solid. The go-go match, I thought, made, they just made a terrible mistake in not putting a go-go over. I mean, the guys, the guys got exposed a little the, bit during the, the mistake, course of that match. The mistake was doing an actual match. Chris, it, yeah. it, it goes further than that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it was they, not ready. He, no, he wasn't ready. And, and, and here's the thing. They could have protected that with that Bolo punch. They could have protected that to made it to a no contest where Cody gets counted out. Um, Cody, like they could have Cody get disqualified. Maybe Cody goes to a low blow. Um, I mean, Cody blow. can't continue whatever, yep. man. A, 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 yeah. Anything other than the match. I mean, what they, and they didn't even do a good job really telling the story of how they broke down a go-go, which is a go-go has got a bad eye. He's yes. He's a premier athlete, but he's slightly broken down. He's got a bad shoulder. He's got a bad eye. He's got all these little points of slight weakness that you can stack up and can kind of create a critical mass and break him down. They sort of told that story and they told enough of it to the point where I'm not interested in hearing it again, but they also did a bad job of actually telling that story. And they told that story months too early. A go-go should be on a winning streak. And the first time we see like things break down for him should be the first time we see him get a gash over his eye. And we start seeing him missing punches because like, his vision's not that good. It's instinctual. It's a little bit of hearing. It's a little bit of vision. Like, yeah, he's connected with them, but he's actually using all of his senses. And when you take away his eye, he doesn't have the whole thing in anymore. Um, that would be so fascinating if it was December. Um, when you do this in this guy's first match out, now every other match, I'm waiting for the guy to get whomped in the good eye so that the baby face can take advantage of his blind opponents. Let's end on a positive note. I was so happy for that reaction that Eddie Kingston got in front of a full live crowd. Cause that dude has been working small crowds for ages. I enjoyed the hell out of that tag match. A little overwrought, a little overwrought, but uh, yeah, but overall solid card. Any other thoughts on double or nothing from you? Um, no, I, I agree on the tag match. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty, I mean, 
the Bucks heel stylings, I think, you know, your mileage may vary. Did you like on those. the mega powers? Did you like the mega powers gimmick that they were doing? Where the one was acting like Savage and one was acting like Hogan? It was certainly a thing that they were doing. Um <laughs> it, Very it, it, dream. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> The, the Bucks certainly do things that I watch on my television screen on a regular basis. Say no more. I am exhausted. Let's get out of here. You can send diet tips. I already do low carb. It's not working for me. At Crap Game 13 on Twitter. You can send uh, you know, grooming tips to Chris, I guess. I don't know. At TWATG. <laughs> you look like Seth Rollins. What can we say? No, <laughs> someone like Rollins had like a birthday or whatever on Friday. And like I, I got exposed yes. to not watching SmackDown live because someone sent me a message. was like, happy birthday. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's like not for several weeks. I don't know why anyone would one. No one cares about it when it comes around. Usually anyways, <laughs> two, why is this like listener telling me this? And then I realized like, Oh, Seth Rollins had some sort of birthday. And apparently people think I look like Seth Rollins. <laughs> you just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are also on YouTube channel of Voices of Wrestling. YouTube.com slash, I believe, Voices of Wrestling. Uh, and please listen to the other shows, even though sometimes we step on their toes a bit. Everything Elite is a phenomenal show. Music of the Mat, a five-star match game. Open the voice game, and of course, the flagship with Rich and Joe. Chris also does his look, own here, audio. Look, Hawkins. I know they say I step on toes, but the thing about the best kept secret is I like to let you know that I'm here sometimes. We don't really step on their toes. We have our own lane. Uh, there's no feud here, I don't think. They haven't told me about it if there is. Uh, Chris does his own audio separate from wrestling, mostly dealing on politics, but I guess we're dabbling in UFOs now. Please tell us about, I, well, don't okay. worry about the government. A, yeah, so June 11th is going to be the uh, the episode where it's funny, like, so they're in the news now, but I've actually been, I've had this episode, like, on my list of, like, things I've wanted to do for months now. So we're finally doing one on, like, unexplained aerial phenomenon over the last 20 years here, um, which will be June 11th. Um, otherwise, though, I mean, like, look, it's a, normally a news and politics show. So this is not, like, my, like, main foray. It's not, like, uh, I'm not breaking into, like, an alien show or anything like that, Hawkins. We're not doing, like, uh the Noves X Files. Although I bet you there's some people who want me to do that. Want me to just do nothing. Letter Nimoy doing what was it? Uh, uh, in search of that kind of show. I, if anything, I'd be more like Jonathan Frakes doing Beyond Belief. I like like that would oh, be okay. that would be my jam if I, if I could do it. Which actually was the reason I think Frakes got the job was because of Leonard Nimoy doing In Search of. <laughs> let's get no. let's get another second banana from Star Trek to do this one. Yeah, yeah, no. So. Uh, um, it, you can check that over at don'tworry.tv. You can check that out on iTunes, on Stitcher. And um, I just want to say, wherever you are, Slapjack, I'm there with you. Come back soon. Come back, baby. Baby Slapjack. Or take Joseph Connor with you when you go.